The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Gospel of John chapter number four this morning. The Gospel of John chapter number four. We're going to be in verse number three in just a moment. In the Gospel of John chapter number four and verse number three. Just want to thank everybody for being a part here and worshiping with us at Ambassador Baptist Church. And we are so excited about what God has in store for us today. Uh, we have a real treat. Uh, we have the privilege of having with us uh, Pastor Bax coming all the way from Australia uh, to be with us this morning. He has come literally around the globe uh, to speak to us today. And uh, not only this morning, but he's going to share a special message that the Lord has laid on his heart tonight at 6 p.m. And so I want to invite many of you uh, where your schedule allows and you're not at work uh, to come back this evening. I promise you it'll be well, well worth your time. It'll be a special time. Uh, He's a prolific author, has written some books, and uh, he might share some more about that here uh, in a bit, uh, but has been used by God in a wonderful way. He has one of the uh, uh, largest Baptist churches there in Australia, and God has just done some really special things there in their uh, lives, in their family. Uh, Pastor Basque actually uh, studied, went to college to be a lawyer, and so he'd served at two law firms before uh, he felt the call into full-time pastoral ministry. Uh, So as he shares even this morning and some tonight, he comes with that perspective, and uh, so he's looking forward to sharing with us here a little bit today. He's been serving at his current church for nearly 20 years, and uh, he'll and tell you a little bit more about that. He's got five children and five grandchildren, and we are just so honored that he would make the trip all the way out to Fresno, California to be with us. Uh, I asked him jokingly before uh, the service if they had a lot of Outback Steakhouses there (laughs) in Australia, and he he says, I don't think so. He said there might be one, but that's just their token thing, so I thought I was going to build a connection with him over this, and obviously... (laughs) Uh, that failed. But uh, Pastor Bass, we're so thankful to have you. Let's do this. Let's uh, open up our Bibles to John chapter number four. I'm going to read this text here, and then we'll pray, and Pastor Bass can come. John chapter number four. I want to begin reading here. The Bible says in the Gospel of John, let's do this. For those of you who are physically able, let's stand as we read our text today. The Gospel of John chapter number four. I'll begin in verse number three. He'll be studying this passage all the way down through verse number 26, but uh, we'll read for sake of time verses three through eight. The Bible says in the Gospel of John, chapter number 4, verse 3, He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he, speaking of Jesus, must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh Jesus to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Verse 8. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Let's have a word of prayer as we get ready to dive into a message simply entitled To Samaria and Beyond. Well, thank you, uh, Pastor Josh. And again, uh, appreciate the uh, kind words. Thank you for uh, being here today. If you are a guest here today... Uh, I do have an unusual accent, and uh, it's not the normal accent you just heard the pastor. And, but I want to say this if you're a guest here today, that the people around you are absolutely excited that you're here, because this, they're just thrilled that you have come to be a guest at this church. And uh, as a guest speaker, I uh, thank you for uh, coming along here today as well. And uh, I do have five children and nine grandchildren, nine grandchildren. So uh, my wife and I got married when we were five, 
Uh, no, we didn't do that. <laughs> and uh, we have, we've had a wonderful family, great uh, blessing. Uh, unfortunately, my wife is unable to uh, be on this uh, trip with me. Uh, she actually, she suffers from bipolar and has for the last 23 years. And we're actually writing a book at the moment about that called Poles Apart on a Christian woman's journey with bipolar. And as I speak right now, she's actually in a, a mental health uh, hospital for a couple of weeks and uh, getting some respite and a few things. And uh, so I appreciate you. Pray for her. She's doing great. She's an absolute champion. She's an incredible witness everywhere she is for Jesus. And uh, God is using her with her mental health issues in amazing, amazing ways and uh, seeing what God does in any issue of life. And it's just a, a great testimony of what God is doing in and through people. God can use anything, can he not? God can use anything. And I wanted to talk to you this morning a little bit about this idea on to Samaria and beyond. And I want you to, as you just read that passage of scripture there, or we've read through it from John chapter 4, uh, I want to talk a little bit about this situation. Before I do that, I want to present this boomerang to your pastor. Uh, it's a... Um, I'm not sure if you, you obviously heard about the boomerang and the idea of the boomerang, the Aboriginals in Australia use it. And the idea is it's, uh, it's an instrument of death. That's what this is. And if that pole in the middle was a tree and there were some birds in that tree and they wanted to eat one of those birds and we would call that tucker, that's uh, if they wanted to get some tucker, they would throw this boomerang out that side and I won't throw it in here. Uh, they would throw it out that side of that tree and it would make this noise, you know, <laughs> which would scare the birds, they would then unwittingly fly out this side of the tree, the boomerang would go around and hopefully clobber one of the birds, knock it to the ground and there you got your tucker. That was the idea behind it. So, and if it didn't, then the boomerang came back, you caught it and tried again. But I thought about the boomerang and to me, uh, it just reminded me of my sin. See, my sin was an instrument of death and, and I cast that out and it was coming out to come back and kill me. But somebody took my sin and his name was Jesus and he took that on a tree when I was 14 years of age in 1979. I got saved at a Billy Graham crusade in Australia and uh, thank God for the gospel and what it did in my life. I went home after that, went back and saw my mum. My parents had split up when I was young and I went back the next morning and saw my mum and I said, Mum, I said, something amazing happened to me last night. And she said, what, what happened? She thought I got in trouble. And I said, Mum, I, I became a Christian. I got born again. And she said, where did you go? And I said, I went to a, a, I don't know, a thing called Billy Graham crusade. She just broke down crying because 10 years earlier, when Billy Graham came to Australia, she got saved at the Billy Graham crusade. My mum is now my, my librarian in our church library and bookstore, and uh, she's uh, just a blessing to me. So, Pastor, I'd like to present that to you, and uh, a bit of a token of Australia there for you. God bless you. Thank you. Well, here in this passage in John chapter 4, a uh, very, very familiar passage and sometimes uh, so, so familiar that it becomes common and if you've heard preaching at any period of time, you've more than, more than likely heard about the woman at the well there in Samaria. Now, this woman is about to have an absolute profound encounter with God and yet unknowingly she's about to have this encounter. And it reminds me uh, many times God has these encounters with us he doesn't send us a text message or an email to say, warning, I'm showing up to have an encounter with you. Many times it just happens. He knows it's going to happen. We don't know it's going to happen. This Many times we just get out of bed every morning, go through the daily routine of life, not expecting anything unusual to take place. Well, this about noon and this lady who is uh, referred to in this passage has gone down to a local area in town 
where she's going to draw her water and a conversation ensues. The place where she goes down to is a well dug by Jacob. Jacob had dug something and contributed something, not just for his life, but Jacob left a legacy that went well beyond his life. In fact, we could say that Jacob built a pulpit for Jesus where he's going to preach from right now. And here is Jesus meeting up with this lady in this passage of scripture. And it's, a, it's an amazing account because what it teaches us in a, a context of, of reaching people, as you saw the little video on strangers uh, from, a, from being an Australian, uh, thinking about the concept of, of being impacted by missionaries and reaching different nations and continents and countries. There is a, an obligation, I believe, on every Christian to seek to take the gospel further than where you are to extend it beyond Fresno, to extend it beyond United States. Uh, for our case, to extend it beyond Rockhampton, to extend it beyond Australia. And God has given that responsibility to the Christian. I want to show you how Jesus teaches us how to do that in this passage of Scripture, in his dealing with this woman of Samaria, and how you and I can say, how do we go be to Samaria and beyond? How do we go beyond our area and beyond from there? And here's the first point I want you to jot down if you're following through with the sermon guide here this morning. First point I want you to jot down is this, we need to stretch our view. We need to stretch your view of what God can do. Stretch your view of what God can do. Look in John chapter 4 and uh, verses 7 to 9, these passages of scripture here. Here's what the Bible says, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water and Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him. Now notice what she says to Jesus. How is it that thou being a Jew? She's, she's noticed a racial barrier here. An ethnicity barrier. How is it that thou being a Jew askest drink of me, which am a woman? So now there is a gender barrier as well of Samaria. For the Jews, a little commentary here, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. This woman is uh, drawing water at, at lunchtime and as you read through the rest of the account, she's a woman uh, who has uh, a bit of a bad reputation in town. Uh, she's drawing water in the middle of the day when most women would draw water in the morning. So she's outcast from her own uh, society in some respect but ever attuned to barriers around her and the men around her, uh, this woman notice a, notices a couple of things about Jesus and she's shocked that she's having this conversation with Jesus. Here she is in the midst of this conversation, but Jesus, as we read earlier, the pastor read, had made a statement or a commentary on him that said, he must needs go through Samaria. Now, if you understand a little bit of the racial issue between Jews and Samaritans, they did have no dealings with each other. And a Jew, in order to get to, if he was in Jerusalem and wanted to go north up to Galilee, he, would, he could go directly a straight line through Samaria, but they never would. They would not even want to get the dirt of Samaria on their sandals. So they would bypass, cross the River Jordan, go all the way around and then come back around, lest they ever went into that disgusting place called Samaria. But Jesus turned around and says, no, we must needs go through Samaria. We need to stretch our view. We need to expand our, our reach. We need to go into places that sometimes takes us outside of our comfort zones. And Jesus is teaching us if we're going to do that, 
that we need to, and he's teaching his disciples, and you can imagine them, they're Jewish boys. They're saying, we've got to go through Samaria, and then Jesus has sent them off to go get some food in that area. They, these guys must be thinking, boy, this, we're going to have to go to synagogue 20 times on Saturday or something to get this defilement out of our system. What, this is bad, what's going on here? But Jesus is teaching them and us that if we are ever going to go to reach Samaria and beyond, we have to be able to get outside our own comfort zones. We at times have to stretch beyond what we think God can do and will do in the areas. This woman is uh, probably in a bad situation. She's in a, not a pleasant uh, lifestyle, but Jesus is going out of his way to reach this woman. And as I think about what he did, I want you to think about some things in, in your life and uh, think about the church here and where you are. Is, is, there, um, is there areas in your life where you think, uh, yeah, I don't know whether I would really stretch to this group or stretch out to this area or tackle this part of life? Would I, is there areas where, I, if I'm honest with myself, I have a little bit of barriers that stop me from reaching certain people? I mentioned my wife having mental illness uh, sometimes we've encountered that where people have a little bit of a pushback. You got, you got a what? And there's like, I just don't know how to deal with that. See, anything we don't understand, we often fear. Well, here is Jesus reaching out. And I want you to think in a world context. You realize in the, around the world, in a missions context, there are, there are 12,000 people groups in this world. 12,000. 12,000 people groups are not constrained to political boundaries or ge geographical boundaries of lands, they cross them at different times. Three and a half thousand of those people groups live in uh, certain parts and less than half of the people in those groups would have probably never even had the gospel preached to them as, the, as some of our missionary statisticians have tried to work out. We, in our region, there's a country called Papua New Guinea. I go to Papua New Guinea every year. There are 700 people groups just in that one country, all speaking different tribal languages. They have a one, one national language, but they all have different tribal languages and different areas. And I started to think through just little nations like this around the world and thinking how easy it would be for us if we could get some people dialed in on small little nations, dialed in on different places. There's one little area, the Chimbu people, there's 57,000 of them, that's it. 57,000 Chimbu people. Imagine if we got 50 missionaries all dialed in for the Chimbu people. There's a people group reached for Jesus. But we have to have people who say, I'm willing to sort of stretch beyond my comfort zone to do this. One of the, one of the only ways we're going to do this is stretch beyond that. Uh, it may be a uh, small miscalculation in our life, but um, I think when we get to heaven, we'll understand that most people in heaven aren't white and most people in heaven don't speak English. Uh, most people in heaven speak all different types of languages. Some even speak Australian as you get to heaven. Uh, look, look at this, think about this passage of scripture in Revelation chapter 5, it'll come up on the screen here, listen, look what Jesus says, what they talks about him, for thou was slain and has redeemed us to God out of thy blood, out of every what? Kindred and what? Tongue and people and nation. Heaven is a worldwide international event that has people from all nations and we need to say, God, help us have a view that stretches beyond where we are to realize there is a massive, massive world that has unreached people groups everywhere. And God, what can I do to reach some of these unreached people groups? But here is Jesus. And I want you to notice the encounter that he has with this lady. It's a strange encounter. He comes down to this lady and the Bible tells us that Jesus comes and sits on a well. Jacob's well was there and Jesus comes and sat on that well being weary. 
Now, here's what I, I look at this passage and wonder. Jesus is there in the midst of this place, tired, weary, comes and sits down on a well and waits for this nameless woman. I, I, I sort of wonder if I said to my wife, uh, Jenny, uh, let's go down to the mall. Uh, we've, we've got to get down to the mall. And we drove down to the mall with this urgency. And then all of a sudden I just sat in the car and didn't get out of the car and he sat there and waited. It'd be a bit odd. Well, here is Jesus saying, I must get to Samaria. He gets to Samaria and sits on a well and waits. It's one thing for people to, for someone who is of, uh, of great stature, like a CEO or a general, to be waited upon. It's another thing for them to wait for other people. And here is Jesus waiting. I'm not sure if you ever considered how many times he's waited for us. As busy as he was in his three years of ministry, he waited for this nameless woman to turn up because he had an appointment with her. And he stretched out of his way to reach this woman because he had an appointment with her to meet up, meet up with this person and say, I have to sit there. And here is our sitting, waiting saviour who said, I want to teach you the first thing to reach this world. You must stretch, be, stretch your view of what God can do to reach out to people who sometimes you might discard in life. Some people who you might think, I don't really think that's, a, that's an area for me. And there may be ministries you think, I don't think I would ever do that or people groups I would never reach. And if we're going to reach this world for Jesus, we have to stretch our view of what God can do. Here's the second thing I want you to jot down. We also need to see the value of one in God's economy. See the value of one in God's economy. We have to be able to see that. Look in, look in John chapter 4 again in verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink... Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Here's this lady and uh, Jesus is about to show her her real need. But in the midst of this, what takes place is she's talking to someone who she doesn't know who he is. And Jesus turned around and said, if thou knewest who it was that asketh of thee, you would have asked him. Do you realize there are people in this world that just do not know they're lost? They do not even know they're lost. And Jesus said, if thou knewest who it was. Have you ever heard those stories of someone talking to someone famous and they didn't know who it was they were talking to? I read of one lady who, she was at a casino and won all this money. And she's come back into the elevator to go up to her room. And as the elevator doors have opened, there were two, uh, two black men standing in that, in that room, one tall and one short in that elevator. She's hopped into the elevator and she started getting scared and she thought, I'm going to be mugged. And she dropped all her money and these two gentlemen helped her pick it up and, and, and sort of saw she was a bit startled and helped her back to her room when, when she got the elevator open and got her to her door and she thought, I'm definitely going to be mugged. And they you know, made sure she was okay and she got in her room. The next morning she woke up and there were two dozen roses that were delivered to her room and said, we're sorry we startled you in the elevator last night, signed Michael Jordan and Eddie Murphy. 
and she just didn't realize who it was that she was uh, having this thing, this situation with here. But here is perhaps uh, she's having a conversation, this lady here, with Jesus, God in the flesh, and doesn't know it. Perhaps the Holy Spirit is highlighting it to us as well. There are many times we're having conversations with God and don't even know it. Do you realize week after week, people sit in church week after week, month after month, year after year, not even recognizing that God is having a conversation with them and they're not even aware of it. And Jesus said, if you only knew who it was that you're talking to, if it only knew, it would absolutely change your life because at times we treat the divine as though it's natural. We treat the supernatural as though it's something that's just... That's just a normality of life and Jesus comes to this lady and says if you only knew what would happen you would change your absolute life and here is Jesus who is literally a well sitting on a well and there are two wells that she's confronted with one is a spiritual well Jesus one is an earthly well Jacob's well both of them are very similar both of them literally come from the descendants of Jacob Jacob himself and his well, Jesus comes from that line. But one has the ability to give something for all eternity and one has the ability just to quench thirst for a temporary moment. And all of us are confronted in life with wells that we draw from, that which will only give us temporary satisfaction and that which can give us eternal satisfaction. And one of our responsibilities in Christianity is to get see the value of one person that they need to get the eternal water of the living water of Jesus Christ. They need to get this relationship with Jesus Christ. And so here is Jesus having this conversation with this woman and talking with her about these different events. And, and he's saying, I, I want you to understand what you are seeking here from this well is not going to satisfy anything. It's false. It's a false well. I am the true well. I am the true water. You need to seek satisfaction from me. Throughout the world where I've travelled in different places around Australia, in different in Vanuatu and Fiji and New Zealand and some of the other islands and Papua New Guinea and some of the Asian areas, I've seen an enormous amount of false gods, people worshipping false gods or trying to drink from false wells. And as I've travelled around and visited these places, I've watched uh, how people respond, how they fall down to idols, how they worship these different things. It's an actually amazing experience to watch all this. And then to see how these people are completely blinded to this. And if they only knew, if they only knew the truth, if you only knew, you would ask of this. And it becomes a responsibility of every one of us to ask, to get people to know that there is a true saviour, a true well, and a true living water that they need to draw from. We had this one gentleman in our church and we had um, some Jehovah Witnesses that were knocking, knocked on his door. And he got quite incensed about it. And he said, uh, you guys are false Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm a true Jehovah's Witness. And they said, what are you talking about? And he said, I'm a true follower of Jesus Christ. They said, you're, you're false witnesses. He said, I'm going with you. And they said, what are you talking about? So they left his house and started walking down the street and knocking on some more doors. He went with them. And he, they said, what are you doing? And he says, well, as you go and spread your false poison and your false, false gospel, I'm going to come behind and spread the true gospel. And so sure enough, as they would go to a house and knock on the door, he'd come right behind them until it got quite up. They got quite irritated with this. He ended up turning around. They ended up coming back, having an incredible conversation. And one of those gentlemen ended up coming to know Christ as a saviour and getting the true living water which is un, very much of an unheard situation we're dealing with these JW partners. It was an amazing thing, but he said, I'm persistent. 
And he said, I, I realize there's value in one of those individuals that Jesus died for and they need to get the living water. Well, in the middle of this conversation, if you know this conversation that takes place here, Jesus starts to talk to this lady. He's asked her about the different things and then he says this to her. Come down to verse 15. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go call thy husband and come hither. I always think this is interesting because here is Jesus who says, Go and get your husband. And I wonder how this woman perceived it. Think about this. Middle of the day, no one comes to get water except the lady by herself. If men came to visit at that time of the day, they usually weren't coming for water. And here is Jesus comes up and starts to talk to this lady and says, hey, give me a drink. And she's starting to think, oh, is this a come online or what is this? She doesn't know who he is. And then Jesus turns around and she, she, he says, well, I'll give you a drink. And she says, how are you going to give me a drink? You haven't even got anything to draw with. Well, what's this about? And now he's asking her, are you married? They call your husband. And this woman's in this whole dilemma, but it's getting her set up because Jesus was completely honourable as he was, a sinless saviour and getting her set up in a situation where she is going to be exposed to what she needs to be reaching out to. And Jesus then starts to read this woman. And the answer in verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that thou sayest that truly. And he said, all of a sudden, she said, what, have you been checking my emails? Have you been tapping my phone how do you know all this about me what's been happening here and Jesus starts to hone in on this lady and says something to her that absolutely startles her that just knocks her completely for a six because here is this lady who all of a sudden has been exposed to what Jesus is taking place and this well of life in front of her starts to expose her life let me tell you what the gospel does and what the bible does to people when they start to hear the truth of God's word it starts to reveal what's taking place in their life it starts to show them their need of a saviour. Our responsibility is to see the value of one and to be able to get this message out to people and confront them with the need of a true, living, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because I want to tell you, there is a countries and nations around this world that are swarming with false gods. And we need to be able to get the true gospel out. We've got to get beyond our comfort zone, see what, see what, uh, stretch our view of what God can do, see the value of one. And here's the last thing I want to bring you to, because this is, gets... This is where it really sets it up for this passage. Jesus brings it down to this last thought. We need to seek the voice of more worshippers of God. Look in verse 16 again. Jesus said, go call thy husband. She says, I don't have one. And Jesus said, I knew that. You've already, you had five. And now there's a guy you're with now. He's not your husband. And the woman saith unto him, verse 19, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This is where Jesus wanted to get this whole conversation to at the very end. His whole purpose of meeting this woman was to get her to the conversation of worship. Because here is what God is seeking for, and here is what I want to draw your conclusion to. 
when you think of the concept of reaching people for Christ, when you think of soul winning, when you think of missions, when you think of world evangelism, whatever title you want to put on that, I want you to understand that God is not his primary concern. And listen to me carefully. His primary concern is not the souls of men. Let me tell you why missions exists. Missions exists because worship doesn't exist. Do you understand what God is seeking from that passage? God is seeking true worshipers. Salvation is our benefit. Worship is God's benefit. And if I can start to approach the concept of missions as this, it's not about just reaching a soul. It's about seeing more people become worshippers of a God who is worthy of all worship. He is the majesty. He is the one that needs to be reached. And I need to say, God, help me reach the people I can reach, not just for salvation. That's, 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 obviously, that's necessary. But that people become true worshippers of God. And Jesus hones this woman down and says, Lady, you've had five men. You've got a sixth man who creeped out the back door this morning, and I'm number seven. You've met the perfect man. Once you meet the perfect man, Jesus Christ, and you understand, you, you know how to worship, lady. You've been giving your heart and soul and mind to everything, all these relationships, seeking what you want, looking for what you want, never being able to be satisfied, only pacified. But now you've met someone who can satisfy you completely, and I'm Jesus Christ, because the issue is worship. And he says, give me a drink. I asked you for a drink. Give me a drink offering. Give me worship. Learn to worship God. You know what God is seeking all around the world? True worshipers. Why do I get engaged in missions? Because I'm trying to find another voice that will worship God. Why do, why do I go soul winning? Because I'm trying to find another voice that will worship God. Not to notch up another notch in my belt that someone got saved. That's human. I want to get someone who says, God... You deserve worship. You're worthy of worship. Paul went to Athens. When Paul saw the city given to idolatry, he was wholly stirred because it was false worship. Do I love God that much? Do I see God that worthy that my desire for getting involved in missionary work, in soul winning and outreach, is not for souls, but that God would get worship, that God would be worshipped? That ought to be the higher motivation of why I go soul winning, why I get involved in missions, not just to reach people for Christ. That's obviously necessary. But my higher motivation isn't just the burden of souls. My higher motivation is the glory of God. That God is glorified, that God is worshipped. And I tell you, it will change your focus and attention. That's what Jesus is teaching his disciples. That's why this whole conversation swung around to worship. He said, lady, you don't know where to worship. You don't know what to worship and you don't know who to worship. I've come to show you where to worship, what to worship and who to worship. And when we think about mission work, we ought to say, God, we need to see people come to know you so that they become a worshipper of you. Wouldn't it be great to see a nation worship God? Not just a nation saved, a nation worshipping God. Look at this one verse of scripture in Psalm 86 and I'll close. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and what? Worship before thee. All nations. Aren't we to go into all nations and preach the gospel? For what reason? That all nations 
whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great and doest wondrous things. You know what, God? Thou art God alone. I was in the country of Cambodia and I was there in a visiting and preaching and I went to a, um, an AIDS hospital where people had caught AIDS sometimes because of their own actions, other times because of other people's actions. And they speak uh, Khmer and I was there preaching to these people and I said, I just stopped and I said, uh, your lives have been messed up, they're ruined. Many of them would be dead by now, most of them probably. I said, but I want to tell you something, your value to God has never changed because he still sees you and wants you to be a worshipper of him. And I took out, they use American dollars over there, and I took out one, one American dollar like this, crisp, clean American dollar. I said, how much is this worth? And they said, one dollar. It was by translation. I got this American dollar and I scrumpled up, and forgive me for this, I scrumpled it up and it was a dirty floor. I put it on the ground and I rubbed my foot all over it and it was full of dirt and everything now. And I picked it up I said, how much is this worth? Still worth a dollar. And I said, our lives started out crisp, crisp and clean. Throughout life, things have taken place. It crushed you, broken you, crippled you, marred you, scarred you. Sin has messed you up. And your life is like this, but your value has never changed to God. And he's still seeking a true worshipper from you. He still wants you to understand that he is the God alone. And he's looking for you to come and worship before him. This woman at the well, her life was messed up like this. And God said, I want you to worship me. And by the way, Jesus actually didn't actually get into the city. If you read further down the passage, the woman became the missionary. She went into the city. And she went to the men first because that's who she knew. God will use even your past to connect you with what, to, to what he wants to use, you for you, use in your life. And God got incredible worship. The reason we get involved with missions and the reason missions exist, as I said, is because worship doesn't. And may God help us have a different elevated view of why we reach people, why we get the gospel out and what will help us to go to Samaria and beyond. God is seeking true worshippers. God, if I, can I get that view? God, I want to see that view. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.